This is the Demand Excellence Podcast with Jonathan Guess, head football coach of Eagles Landing Christian Academy on the south side of Atlanta. Coach Guess is the author of the book, Demand Excellence, on and off the field. The goal of the Demand Excellence Podcast is to encourage, equip, and entertain Christian leaders and coaches across the world. So coach, tell us about your background. Tell us where you started, why you coach football, and how you got to Harrison High School. Okay, well, I'll tell you the why first, because, you know, when you're a young man, and I've known what I wanted to do, gosh, since I was in seventh grade. I mean, I've always loved football. My mother thought there was something wrong with me when I was little. Yeah. Because when I was like five or six, I was in the living room watching the yeah the black and white tv people i was watching the black and white tv sitting there watching football and my my bro, my dad was a a mechanic a farmer a construction worker you know and and uh i helped him do all those things but as a little boy you know i loved football so i'd, I'd be in there watching football and my dad and brother would be out in the barn or my mom always asked me you want to go out with your dad and brother and do that i'd just sit and be watching football it fascinated me yeah. So my mom used to think there was something wrong with me. Yeah. But uh, as I got older, when I was in middle school, um, I always loved my physical education teachers and the guys that taught health. I loved that stuff. Running around, you know, I lived in the country. I always had my own, I always had my own Olympics, you know, home run fence. My dad built me a, a goalpost on my grandfather's land, so... I had it made as a kid, a lot of fun. It was always sports oriented, but I always had these PE teachers. And then when I got to middle school, I had some men that were great role models. They were great teachers. They didn't roll the balls out. They taught, they taught us fundamentals and they were great men. And I was like, you know, that's what I want to do. So that's when I decided I was going to, you know, be a physical education teacher and a health teacher. thought I might minor in biology, but but biology looked a little hard when I got to college, so <laughs> yeah. I did health. But those those men kind of uh, taught me what what it should be like, what what your coach should look like, your teacher should look like. So that that's when I knew in seventh grade what I was going to do. So when I got to high school, um, you know, I was always the the quick, fast kid. wasn't very big, but it helped me in seventh and eighth grade because we didn't have football only in seventh and eighth grade and then high school. But uh, um, I wasn't as big, but we had this coach come in my, right for my junior year, and I was always into the weightlifting, the weeder stuff, you know, got, had my own little weight room at my grandparents' place because they lived right behind us. Um, so I really got into weightlifting, but when this guy got here, Lynn Shrickle, who I still talk to today, he's up in Northwest Ohio, he, he had a weightlifting program. He was a power lifter in his day, and I got the bug, and it, it really helped me to be able to compete and uh I, uh, from that point on, was always in the weightlifting. And so when I got to, I got to Jupiter High School after I graduated um, college. I went down, uh, I went to the University of Toledo, but I graduated college. And I went down there. There were no jobs in Ohio. And I got a job in Palm Beach County at Jupiter High School. And, um, you know, I was a freshman coach that first year. And at the end of the year, I really wanted to help with the strength program because I had really gotten into it. And, uh, and kind of wanted to do what my strength coach had done and my head coach. So nobody wanted it. And the head coach said it was yours. So I went in, but made all these clubs and went to a lot of clinics. Uh, the, you know, at the time, the, the big weightlifting guru at that time was Bruno Paletta in, um, Tennessee. So I went to one of his clinics in South Florida 
and I just got the bug and brought it all back. And we, uh, we dominated the weightlifting scene in Palm Beach County for years. And, uh, that's how I got my forte. So about my fourth year in, I was the JV coach. And I think the head coach had been watching me, Charlie person. And I'm like, I'm going into my fourth year. So, you know, I'm going to be like 26 years old. He walks in and he says, Hey, I'm going to make you the offense coordinator. Hmm. So the offense coordinator, I said, I'm 26 years old. You got all these guys are 40 something on your staff. They're not going to like that. He says, I, I don't really care what they like. <laughs> You're going to be the offense coordinator. So he wanted to run the wing T. We were running a version of it. So I poured myself into all the tubby rain and stuff and went to clinics and, and, you know, we had a great year. We went nine and one, made the playoffs and, from that point on, I was an offensive coordinator, and I always thought I was going to be a, a defensive guy because I played defensive back in high school. But uh, I always loved offense. So I was with him for a total of 18 years, uh, 14 as his coordinator. And then uh, I've been interviewing, trying to get a head coaching job. And uh, I just, you know, I'd always be like third or second, and it would always be, well, you don't have any head coaching experience. So he's got – I got hired to have head coaching experience over me. So one year, um, our principal is leaving Jupiter High School to open a brand new school. She goes, you still want to be a head coach? I go, yeah. I, I thought I'd have to interview for the job. So later on, I go to see her. I go, so when are we setting up this interview? She goes, oh, there's no interview. <laughs> the job's yours if you want it. So you know how that always goes. It's not always uh, what you know, it's who you know. That's right. And, uh, and like I think Davo Sweeney always says, you got to make sure that you never know who's watching. You never know who's watching. You give your best effort all the time. And that's just kind of what I've learned to, to do. I've, I've never thought I'm going to outsmart anybody. I thought I got to outwork everybody. Right. So, uh, you know, just that's just my method is to be relentless. So we were there for eight years. Uh, we had a big run at the end. We went to third round, second round, third round. Always usually lost to a better team than us in the third round, even though we were up both times. Um, one year we played the 10th ranked, uh, national ranked, um, uh, out of, uh, Orlando. Um, they beat us by 10 and it just seemed, you know, but at the end, um, coach, I really loved football, but the, um, the, the situation, it was Dr. Phillips, but sorry, but the situation was, um, gas was 385 a gallon. My wife and I both went out to that new school. We opened a brand new school. That's what it was. Seminole Ridge. And uh, we were paying more in gas than my, my football stipend. Wow. So it was kind of a hobby. Um, when you're in Florida and they don't pay the coaches, you know, they pay you like 4800 to do everything, strength coach, you know, weightlifting, uh, head coach, summer, all summer. And it's kind of losing money, and I didn't think it was fair to my family. So I was going to step down and just be an assistant or the freshman coach. But my wife saw this job, and so I came up and interviewed, and I told my principal what I was going to do, and they offered us the job, and it was a better place for my family. That was number one. I brought them up to make sure they were going to like it here, and it was definitely better for our, our family financially, and it was a better school, everything. So that's kind of why we made the move, and it was definitely a rebuilding process. When Coach Cobbley uh, was still alive, he coached that first year with us. And he also told me, you know, Matt, it's just broke. We just need some people to love on the kids and love on the program and, and do the right thing. And I remember in the interview, they said they weren't even, at the time, worried about wins and losses. And I said, I will remind you that you said that down the road. <laughs> yeah. But 
they said they just needed someone to do the right thing. And I told them, well, I can do that. You know, I, I can do the right thing. Cause that's, you know, what I believe in doing based on my faith and, and trying to help other people. So that's kind of how we got where we are today. And it's been exciting and it's been a lot of work, but, uh, you know, with my, the background, I've just always loved football and I wanted to make an impact like my teachers did for, for me and my coaches. And I always let them know that, that, uh, I'm very thankful for the influence that they had and the impact that they had on me because, you know, growing up and I, we always tell our kids, you, you, I said, you are going to influence and impact other people in a positive or negative way, no matter what you think, how old you are, you're going to do it. You know? So we preach that to our coaches and our kids all the time. So that's kind of how we arrived here at Harrison high school. So coach, before I get into, you know, uh, some details of offense and defense and philosophy and all that kind of stuff, talk just real briefly about what it was like to coach a player like Justin Fields, who was a nationally just, you know, I guess number one or two or three player in the nation. What was that like to coach a kid like that with all of the media following him and all of that kind of stuff? Well, you know, the one thing that made it easier is Justin made it easier and his dad because um, Justin's an extremely bright person for people that don't know him. Very articulate doesn't get too high, too low. So with him having a good head on his shoulders and a father saying when the season started, there will be no more talk about college. There will only be talk about Harrison High School. That took a lot of pressure um, off of myself, Justin, and everything like that. That's awesome. But I think with, with Justin, I knew he was special. We started putting more and more stuff in his 10th grade year. First time we put in Power Read. He went 60 yards house, but there was never a bad play design when, I mean, he's that phenomenal. There's just never a bad play design. You run a quarterback counter, but you can do so much, um, you know, with, with him back there. But for me, I tell everybody, it made me a better coach because when you have a player that's special, I don't care what you're running or doing. You have to say, how can we use all of his talents? And to me, one thing about coaching is not saying, well, I'm going to run the spread. I'm going to run the wing tee. We're going to do this. It's got to be, what do we have and what can we do with our best player? You know, whether you have one great player or a really good player who you can surround and do things with, to me, that's what you always got to do. But um, because of the way Justin handled it and his dad, it, it was easy for me. You know, we did that, that QB1 thing. I did not want to do it because I'm not a raw rock guy. Um, I'm all about those guys doing their best effort. And, and if you do your best effort for the team, individual awards and things will happen, which is not the goal. I mean, you don't, you don't get to be coach of the year, which, you know, coach by, because you're great. You get to do that because your kids bought into what you were all doing as a coaching staff. And you have a phenomenal group of coaches around you, you know, because I'm not that great of a coach where. I could ever say that it's, it's what everybody else does and who you're surrounded with, you know, does, but it was, it was great coaching him just because we could do so much, but also because he was so articulate and I knew he was going to, I told everybody, he's going to have a great year. I go, you can't leave high school playing at that level and go to a school that has four and five star athletes and think that he's not going to flourish. 
And, you know, I told everybody at the beginning of the year, and some people call me back, you told us. I said, well, guys, it, it's not that hard. He's that good. Yeah. You know, I said, the only thing I said is he's got to stay healthy and it's like it is for anybody. But, yes, I enjoyed it, and it was a little bit of pressure on yourself because we totally changed the offense going in this junior year. went to all RPO stuff. I didn't tell him when to throw it. Um, he was given the directions as if it's clear, take it. If it's cloudy, don't. And he would throw it in there sometimes when it looked cloudy, but he's so good and his arm is so strong, you know, it didn't matter. But yeah, he flourished under that RPO system and changing the offense and his junior year. And it was a lot of fun. It really was. Well, that kind of leads us into the next question, coach. And, and, and you've already briefly talked about it. You know, the question is, what offense do you run? What is your philosophy behind it? And, and so what, what are a few things that are very important to you as a play caller? Well, the biggest thing is, is we use a lot of, a lot of motion. So it's, I say it's a multiple motion offense using spread and lean T concepts. Cause we'll get into hybrid double slot wing T against the team and we'll audible and check whatever you're going to give us. And then we'll go spread. And the combination of both, depending on what you have, um, just helps us, you know, and, and we'll do more than one or the other, depending on, you know, what the personnel we have for that year. You know, we like to use the motions to kind of deceive the defense and then put them in conflicts with, with a, a variety of formations, but run the same play. Uh, I mean, I think we can run Chris, Chris counter crisscross like eight or nine different ways. Yeah. I was trying to think the other day, but, yeah. um, we definitely always want to try to control the line of scrimmage and we do that through our weight program. But, you know, we always talk about moving the chains, moving the chains, using what we do with the spread wing T concepts. We usually have an RPO tagged um, with all our runs. Um, we do a lot of play action pass and crossing routes, which, you know, helps us confuse the defense. And, and if, if especially against a team that might be better than us, the counters and the, you know, the counters and the play action passes really help us the way they're the way their secondary um, is adjusting to the motion. We try to take advantage of whatever they're, they're doing and put them in a bind. But, you know, for us, if, if you, if we talk about, we talk about goals um, for us, you know, we're, it's going to be ball security. We're going to preach it. We're going to do it at practice, every offensive practice, uh, tug of war drills, no turnovers. And I think the second thing we always talk about is our mindset, um, our, our mental toughness is, is really or our attitude more is our mindset is we want to average four plus yards. We put that into our kids' minds. If we get four yards, we're happy. If we get more, that's a bonus. And the third thing is, is probably more mental attitude. We always talk about moving the chains and take what the defense gives you. I loved it this year. Our quarterback, Gavin Hall, he's at Toledo now. He, you know, we were, we were under the tent looking at film. I'm like, Gavin, I go, man, why didn't you take this RPO over? He goes, Coach, I'm just trying to move the chain. <laughs> it was a run play. And I go, good answer. <laughs> so you love it when a kid kind of talks about, well, this is what we talked about. So, and we always, you know, number four, we're going to play physical and hard. And that, we call that our mental toughness. We talk a lot about mental toughness. And that comes from the weight room. And we're big into the weight room. I believe it's our foundation. And, of course, penalties, they drive me nuts. I preach about them all the time. And uh, the kids, if they get one at practice, they do up bounds for them, you know, because 
I believe if you get a penalty and you don't, you just talk about it, that the kids don't realize what they did. And we've all talked about this when there's a penalty, personal foul or whatever, you're going to go over there and do up downs. So I think that's cost us games in the past. So I think offensively, you know, those are just kind of the things that, that we believe in, but whether it's offense or defense for us, it all starts in the weight room for us. Absolutely. You know, so coach, being an offensive play caller and an offensive guy, even though you have the defensive background from college, um, talk about how you as a head coach kind of uh, set your defensive philosophy, even though you might not be the coordinator, you might be, I don't know, yeah. but how do you set the philosophy and what are some of your, uh, you know, what are your objectives there and, and five things that are important to you uh, from a defensive standpoint? Yeah, our our defensive staff does a great job. I only, I only, I think as the years have gone by, I've gotten more and more hands off. When we first got here, I told them I wanted to see more. You know, being an offensive guy, I wanted to see more disguising, and we do a tremendous job now disguising our coverages and what we're going to do. We weren't doing that at first, but now you know we've gotten so good and been together as a defensive staff. I don't go over there too much and say it as much unless I don't feel we're being aggressive enough, but we had a lights out defense. So our defensive corner, Mitch Hanghold and, and some of the things that, you know, when he talks, he, he wants to build walls from the inside out. We're always talking about uh, being sound uh, assignment wise with gaps. Uh, we like to spill everything, which I like to our force players or, or, you know, force them into the sideline. These are the kind of the things we've, talked about in our three, four defense that we like to do. And, 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 you know, sometimes we're a little bit different here, Mitch and I, but you know, he wants to take away, which I do too, the vertical or explosive routes that someone might try to go down the field and keep it all in front of him. I just always feel sometimes we give up some big short plays, but you know, it's, it's kind of that mentality bend a little bit, but don't, you know, break. And, you know, he just, you know, we really believe, and, and Mitch does, that we really want to force an offense to work for every yard they get. And, you know, that's from not giving up any big plays over the top, giving up the underneath stuff, but, you know, playing physical. But when we talk about defensive goals, these are all the ones that uh, we always talk about. And we talk about this word a lot, but relentless effort. We tell the kids, when you play defense, you know, one, one screw up and not give an effort could be six points. You know, on offense, it's second and 10 <laughs> if yeah. you screw up. Yeah. But not on defense, it's usually the next play is extra point. So we always talk about that. You have to have that type of effort all the time. Uh, we also preach um, about our force players and run fits. Mitch is, and our defensive staff is huge on talking about run fits. Uh, you know, any meeting I'm in, we're always talking about run fits and what you're doing in each defensive call. Um, the next one which we do a great job of is communicating at all times as a unit linebackers with the secondary, the linebackers with the, the front group. And, you know, that gets you in a bind when the communication, when you usually talk about something in a defensive meeting, go, what happened here? He goes, it was a lack of communication, you know, and, and that's the thing we tell our kids. I mean, if you're not communicating with each other, that's when you're going to have a screw up and bad things are going to happen. One thing we always do is a turnover circuit, uh, especially at the beginning of the year. Uh, we preach that, um, and, and they do it. 
And I think one of the great things our staff has really become great at is fundamentals. Teaching, um, you know, the old Seattle Seahawk rap tackle, we, we do a great job. They do a great job in our kids' camp, our high school kids, teaching fundamentals, especially tackling. We do a lot of drills. You know, there's a lot of drills that might not go to the ground, but a lot of drills um, coming up with different ways to, to uh, you know, tackle and, and just our, our fundamental tackling. So, you know, defensively in a nutshell, I just think that uh, we've just gotten better, better every year as a staff and same guys, but just better and uh, teaching fundamentals. And I think Mitch has really done a, a great job of just being more of a student of the game. He he goes to endless clinics, watches stuff, and that's what you want on your staff, you know. I knew Mitch down in Florida, and we coached against each other, and he came up here with me. And the great thing I love about Mitch is, you know, he's he's a big-time Christian. Uh, he loves he loves Jesus, and he, he, he wears it on his sleeve just like most of our coaches do, and that's always great to have guys on your staff. We have a lot of guys like that, um, that, you know, it's just great when the kids see that role models and they know people that really care about them too. Absolutely. Coach coach talk, you know, one thing that always took me a long time or took me a long time to figure out as a head coach is, and it's hard to put your finger on it, but you know, your, your offensive philosophy, defensive philosophy, and then your special teams philosophy, they all need to mesh and they all need to be working together. And I really can't really explain it too much. Uh, like, I know what I'm thinking in my head, but, like, they all got to serve each other. Yep. What's your philosophy on special teams and how do you practice it? Well, the first thing we tell the kids, and I don't think half of them believe you, like you say, and I don't know that all the coaches out there believe it too, but to me, special teams is going to win or lose you a close game. Yep. You know, in the state championship, our kicker nailed two 40-yarders. Their kicker had two blocked. Hmm. You know, he makes those two and we don't. It's a whole new game. You know, so to me, we, we tell them all the time. And I always tell them too, I said, kickers don't lose games for you guys. Don't ever blame the kicker for us losing the game. I said, because you all got to help him do his job. I said, he may win the game for us but he doesn't lose the game for us. I think Lou Holtz always used to say that. Yeah. But uh, to me, we always tell our kids it's the most important thing. I tell them, you know, you've heard it before, offense wins games, defense wins championships, guys. And special teams is going to win you a close game. And I've seen it happen over and over. I've lost plenty of games because of special teams and won plenty of them because of it. So to me, I, we're always preaching it's number one. We put our best players on there. But, you know, we, we come out and we stretch – we condition right after we stretch. No pads on. Got that long time away. Go from a college program. We take a 10-minute break. They get their water. They put their pads on. And we start the number one thing with our practice. 20 minutes beginning of practice is special teams. At that time, your best players are over there doing special teams, O-line and D-line, who's usually not on special teams except for field goal, right. an extra point, which we do right at the end. They're over there working on stunts, pass blocking, and so forth. And that is where we we put all our time in right there, doing kickoff, kickoff, return, the first day, punt, punt, block, and then we do them all on Wednesday, all again on Thursday. So we, we spend a lot of time on it, and we put our best players on it. Um, and, and for us, you know, we may not have a lot of goals because we keep it simple, but we're going to preach trying to turn turn the ball over, you know, trying to create one 
um, second man of the ball, trying to strip the ball. And then on anything where we're returning, we're going to talk ball security, you know, points of pressure like we always do. I think the next thing that one of our goals for for it is discipline um, assignments. You got to, you got, if you blow your assignment again, the next play might be extra points for the other team. You got to stay in your lanes and know your assignment, what, what your assignment is. Um, along with discipline, and you can count that as a goal or you can throw that under discipline, but is no penalties. I mean, you know, we don't like it when we kick off and we're going to put our defense in a bind because you got a 15 yard penalty on top of a 20, 30 yard return. I mean, that's a killer. Same thing offensively. We get a big return over the 50 and we get a dumb penalty. So we preach that to our kids all the time. And then we have something called hidden yardage. We want to win the hidden yardage battle. So that means like when we kick off, we never want them to get past the 20 yard line. So we do that in practice. We work that in practice. Now, hopefully you got a good kicker like we did this year. who put yes. 60% of the kicks in the end zone, you know, and you score a lot of points. Um, but then when we do a kickoff return, we want to have, you know, a, a 25 yard average and we want to make sure we have all kicks fielded cleanly. And we want to try to set up a scoring drive. And we usually say, if you get across the 50, that's setting up a scoring drive. And then uh, punt protection, we we want to allow no blocks. No blocks at all, and I don't think we did, and have no shanks. Um, and if we're punting, uh, the same thing on punting, yeah, if we're punting the ball, we never want to give up more than a 10-yard return. So those are kind of the goals that we think about. Um, for, for like field goals, uh, we practice that. We move from hash to hash. We'll have the kids come out and yell and scream. We'll put a defense out there. We really practice it hard so everybody knows their assignments. And, uh, you know, we're always trying to scheme to, to block punts or block. We usually send everybody. Um, we want to be aggressive. So, I, But to me, special teams is going to make or break, you know, a season. And I think you get, I think a lot of people don't. They don't practice it and preach it, but we do. You know, it's a big part of our philosophy. Coach, talk a little bit about why, you know, you talk about going going to Harrison High School and, you know, nobody really believed y'all probably could ever win a state championship there. It may have been your goal, but it wasn't any of the administrators' goal. They just wanted a good competitive program. But here you are, you built them into a state champion. Give me five things it doesn't have to be five, but just give me some reasons why you're successful, how you built that program, and, and how you built it into a champion uh, this year um, in a very competitive uh, Georgia High School Football Association in a very competitive classification that you're in. Well, the first thing that I'm going to say is, is, is part of your vision has got to be your faith. And you know, when we came here, things were in bad shape. And I, I, you have a lot of conversations with the Lord. But um, I don't know that it was ever, I don't know that my goal's ever been, I mean, everybody wants to win the state championship. But I don't think that's ever something I've ever put in front of it. I always think that's at the, the last thing, because if you do all the other things, it's going to happen. So the first thing is, is you got to have the faith. You got to have faith in the Lord and you got to pray for 
for direction. And, and I think that's what I do every day because to me, that, that helps me with clarity. But the first thing you got to do is you got to surround your, your, yourself with godly men who believe in making an impact and making a difference in kids' lives through football. I don't think if you have that, I think you got the wrong guy on your staff. Yeah. I really believe that. Uh, you, so if you're lucky enough, which I have been, cause I've been blessed is the Lord has always surrounded me with administrators, um, coaches that had that vision. So I've been blessed there. The next thing is you got to make your weight room the number one priority. And it is here. This build, this, this program was built on the fundamentals and foundation of the weight room. There is no option. You're going to lift four days a week. We got a college program. It's going to be done the right way. And if you don't do that, you can't play here. And we're not going to win because most of the time we're going to be outmanned. You know, we're just fortunate that we had an unbelievable class this year that, that broke every weightlifting record, you know, and whenever we've had success, if you look at your weightlifting numbers and your record, they're probably both high. And I got 33 years of that to show it. But, um, and then the big thing is, is paying attention to detail. There is no detail too small. I tell our kids, you know, which is, is one of the things is we're going to get into here in a little bit is about being uncommon. And, but you got to pay, you got to do the little things. So the big things happen. You can't turn your head to those. I always tell the kids, if, if we let little things um, go by and don't do them. I said, we're a failure at our job. I'm a failure as a head coach. If I let a little thing go and turn my head and say, ah, not a big deal. I said, your parents are failures if they don't um, discipline you when you do the wrong thing. So for us, it's paying attention to detail, do the small things. So the big things happen, you know, today matters because today down the road is going to matter when the big things happen because you did what you've had to today. Yeah. High standards. Um, we have very high standards here for the coaches and the players. Again, that's paying attention to detail. So we have a sign, um, and it's from Tony Dungy, and I stole some stuff from John Wooden and Jim Truss, who was at Ohio State. But it's all about doing your best effort for the group. And then it says from when Tony Dungy was, I got this from him, um, no excuses, no explanations beyond common. So our kids will say that to you. You know, we, we don't, we're not going to make excuses. Uh, we're not going to have any BCD, which is blame, complain, defend. We are going to have high standards here. And if you can't do those high standards, it doesn't mean we don't care about you, but this is not for you. Okay. Because we're going to have be held to a higher standard than what you are in school. And we are going to do things the right way. We are going to strive to be uncommon. And that's for all of us. So, you know, we, we preach that and talk about that a lot and live it. And I always remember I got one of my favorite quotes is from Vince Lombardi. It was uh, when he got to Green Bay, he told those guys, he goes, you know, most of you, most of you give 100% most of the time. For us to be champions, you're going to have to give 100% all the time. And I always tell our kids that quote, and I say, that's the difference, guys. If you, I mean, we can go five and five, six and four and seven and three. But if you give a hundred percent all the time and we all go and be relentless, then we have a chance to win the state championship. But I said, we don't want you to just do that in football. 
We want you to do that in your life, and we want you to do that in your education. And when our kids aren't doing it right in school, and they're not doing it right as a person, then they're on our accountability list. And they see me, and they have squat thrusts or bear crawls. Because we, again, are striving not just on the field, but for them to be uncommon men. And I really don't think we could win a state championship here if we're not we're not pushing them in the classroom we're not pushing them to be a better person because that all ties into when you get on the football field that you got to give your best effort there too so we're trying to get them to be uncommon in all those areas of life not just you know not just one of those you know not just school not just as a person we're not just football and and the heck with everything else excuse me but um everything you know everything and like I said, the last thing is, is just relentless, which we use in our program all the time. Because to me, <clears throat> you, uh, I'm not going to outsmart a lot of people. I think I'm more about I'm going to try to outwork. I'm going to try to outwork the other guy if I can, you know. But I think, you know, at 6A, we thought that it was a possibility to do that. Um, with us moving up to 7, <laughs> 7A, we got a whole new challenge. So, but uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what you know, the things that I think have made us successful here. All right, coach, we're uh, getting to the end here. And I always ask the coach, you know, what, what's a big dream of yours? It doesn't even have to be football. Um, just something that, man, in life you'd love to accomplish. Well, you know, um, I'm a pretty simple guy. And I remember starting out 33 years ago in my interview to be a teacher in Palm Beach County. Lady said, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? I said, I want to run a successful, I want to be a successful teacher that does things the right way. I want to run a successful strength program, and I want to be a successful coach. And then the other thing, you know, as you get older and you you get married, you want to be the best father you can be. You want to be the best husband and, and those things with it. So, you know, I'm pretty simple. I believe if you get up every day and you do those things, you're going to have big things and dreams are going to happen with that in your face. So, I'm I'm blessed that in Florida we won a state championship in weightlifting, and I didn't know that I would ever win one in football, but we did, and so those are pretty. This is two pretty good uh, dreams that were accomplished. But I think if anybody ever came to me, what's your big dream? I'd say you know who wouldn't want to be the running backs coach at Ohio State or be the equipment manager at Ohio State because <laughs> I grew up a Buckeye, so. But I think a big dream would be when I retire in the next probably three years as a teacher is I would like to go to a, a college and be like a high school relations guy, equipment manager, because I've done all that stuff. Yeah. You know, you, I mean, you're equipment manager, you're a custodian, you're uh, a recruiting coordinator. I mean, you know how it is. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're men of many hats when they got guys that just do those individual jobs a lot of times at college. So I think... Uh, that's the big dream. But, you know, I've been blessed. I have a great family, unbelievable wife who understands. Um, you know, she was a college cheerleader and she coaches college or she, she uh, coaches cheerleading here. So she, uh, you know, she has been awesome because she she gets a, a high school coach and not a lot of people do. So I'm just, you know, been blessed. And I, say, I guess you say if it's a big dream, that would be something down the road. Absolutely. Well, Coach, man, I really appreciate it. Really good stuff. Um, and um, I always like to end praying, if you don't mind. And, oh, yeah, I'd love to. 
Okay. Lord, we're coming for you today. I just want to praise and thank you for loving us, Lord. I praise and thank you uh, for Coach Dickman and all that you are doing through him. And Lord, I just uh, praise and thank you for his example uh, that he sets. And Lord, just everything that he talked about today is just about structure and organization and, and you and that's, that's all about you. And that's what you do in our life. You take a people of, of chaos. We're all sinners. And, and you give a structure and organization and discipline. And that's what his program is all about. And I just pray you continue to use him and his coaching staff to advance the gospel and influence boys in, in the community for, for Jesus Christ. And uh, just pray you continue to bless him, Lord. And we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And hey, bless you too, Coach. God be with you. Yes, sir. You too. Thank you.
I